to 8. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love. A time to hate. A time for war. And a time for peace. And so let the seed that is this word fall on good soil. May it lead to growth in those that hear it and accept it. And may this growth lead to the bearing of fruit in all ways. Amen. And so Ecclesiastes, in these verses, there's a time for everything. This is what it's saying to us. There's a time for everything, whether it's negative or positive. We understand, don't we, that this is how the world works. That this is a passage that recognises the seasons and the stages of life. It recognises the mix of emotions as life moves on. And it recognises that life is not always a joy. It recognises that life is not always a joy. Just look there at verse 4 in particular. We're told that there is a time to weep and a time to mourn. A time to weep and a time to mourn. The Bible here gives us permission to weep and it gives us permission to mourn. And if we just think about the last 18 months of our lives, as we were thrown into lockdown, coronavirus, all of those different things, even the restrictions that we have still to today, there is enough reasons for us, uh, even in the news over the weekend, of course, uh, of the hypocritical government members and so on and so forth, there is a time to weep and a time to mourn. And the last 18 months should really lead us to that point. And so just a quick thing now. When you hear the word lament, what do you think of? Just give me uh, some words or examples or something that come to mind. Come on, be brave. Lament. What do you think when you hear the word lament? Sadness. Sadness. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Depression. Okay. Okay. Anything else? One or two more, maybe? Lament. It's not an everyday word, is it, really? Very much a Bible word. Any more? Regret. Regret. Can we get one more? Go on. Guilt. Guilt. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you very much. So, if we were to define lament, we're told that it is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And it's characterised, if we look throughout the whole Bible, it's characterised by many different things. There's songs and prayers 
There's wailing, so that's crying loudly with pain and grief and anger. There's physical actions like the beating of the chest or the beating of an instrument. There's tears and sadness and regret. There's fasting and weeping. There's symbols of people mourning. They used to change their appearance. They used to have meals after a funeral. They wore face coverings, believe it or not, in the Bible to express mourning. There's sighing, there's hurting and there's pain. And in a Christian worship context today for us, this is about true and honest and raw, unmasked worship to the Lord God. If you look at Psalm 13, Psalm 42, 43, 44, perhaps you want to read those later. They are really true, honest and raw, unmasked worship to the Lord God. And Matthew Porter in his book, A to Z of Prayer, he's talking about honest prayer, which is part of lament. And he says, God knows, he sees and hears everything, not just the good, but the bad, not just the tidy, but the messy, not just the clean, but the dirty. And yet he still bids us to come to him. So we need to come as we are and be real when we pray. There's no place for pretense. True prayer involves taking off our masks and being vulnerable and open before God. And that is exactly what we do when we lament. We bring our hurt and our pain and our trials before the Lord God and we place them before him in worship. And so when is it that we lament? When does lamenting come into play in our lives? Well, we see in the Bible, in Genesis 50 and verse 10, when somebody or something has passed away. So in times of bereavement, in Genesis 50, we see the great burial of the Old Testament figure, Jacob. So Joseph is there, his brothers are there, there's a great crowd of people. And as they bury him, we're told when they reached the threshing floor of Atad, near the Jordan, They lamented loudly and bitterly. And there Joseph observed a seven day period of mourning for his father. So in times of bereavement, when somebody or something has passed away, we are to lament. We're to lament in times of distress, tragedy or disaster. If you know the book of Esther, chapters 3 and 4... We see the king who's been persuaded by one of his key officials to make a law. And that law stated that there should be orders to wipe out the Jewish people and take all of their possessions. Esther 3 and 13. And the response to that wiping out of the Jewish people is in Esther 4 verses 1 to 3. They lamented. So it says, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. 
So we are to lament in times of distress, tragedy or disaster. We might describe the last 18 months as such. And then thirdly, in times of saying sorry when we have done wrong. This is a time of lament. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, we see King David. Up until this point, he's pretty much a perfect king. He knows the heart of God. He wills after the heart of God. But we see here in this passage that he's just committed adultery by sleeping with the wife of one of his most loyal soldiers. He then has that guy purposely killed on the battlefield and then he marries the widow and he starts a family. But then in the reading we see this moment where he's challenged by the prophet Nathan about his sin, about his wrongdoing, about the things that he's done that do not please the Lord God. And if you want some reading to do later, read Psalm 51. This is David's lament, his saying sorry to the Lord God, his grieving of his sin before the Lord God. So in times of saying sorry when we have done wrong, we lament. And this is a big part of our Christian life, isn't it? Turning to the Lord God, having hatred and disgust for our sin in light of all that Jesus has done. Repentance, it all plays into this theme of lament. But I guess really what we want to say is, well, where do we see lament in the life of Jesus? If we are Christian disciples, if we are trying to walk in the way of Jesus, and we want to see that Jesus himself lamented, taught about it, encouraged us to do so. And so frustrated at not being able to find Jesus, King Herod ordered for the life of other young boys in Jerusalem to be taken. Matthew 2.17, it tells us, Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. And so we see very early on in the life of Jesus this theme of lament. In Matthew 23, Jesus laments over the city of Jerusalem because he can see its downfall and its time of destruction. And as Jesus is being led away to be crucified, we're told that there was a great number of people who followed him. And among them there were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. They were lamenting. That Jesus was being led away to his death. John 11.35, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Weeping is part of lament, isn't it? And John 16.20, Jesus says to his disciples, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. So Jesus, before his death, promises his disciples that there will be a time of weeping and mourning, a time for them to lament the loss of Jesus. And as we move on through 
to look at the early church in the book of Acts and in other places in the Bible, we see after the stoning to death of Stephen, who's a member of the early church, in Acts chapter 8 and verse 2, it tells us that in the midst of persecution, devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. We can imagine the funeral, can't we? This burial of this man. Maybe we've been to funerals ourselves and it's drawn us to weep loudly and to cry and to to feel sad and all of those things. We can understand a little bit about the lamenting of these people here in this passage. And then to those in the church who have drifted away from the Lord God. James has this to say to such people. In chapter 4 verses 7 to 10. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And here's further advice. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord God and he will exalt you. That's an interesting reading, isn't it? Because that's James talking to people like me and you, the church of Jesus Christ. People that have grown distant in their relationship with the Lord God. Perhaps that might be you over the last 18 months, I don't know. But if it is, James encourages us to turn back to the Lord, to lament, to weep, to mourn, to be sad that we became so distant from the Lord God. And so we lament in that context as well. And if you need any more examples other than what we've seen in the Old Testament, in the life of Jesus and in the life of the early church... There is a book in the Old Testament called Lamentations. There's a whole book of the Bible devoted to lament. A whole five chapters. And so quite simply, this morning, what does this mean for us? Quite simply, the Bible shows us that it is okay for us to lament. That might sound like a simple thing, but sometimes we're not good and expressing our grief and sorrow and those things, are we? Uh, Particularly when we think about the last 18 months. The Bible shows us that it's okay to mourn, to grieve, to show sorrow. And that it should be part of our true, open, honest and unmasked worship as Christian disciples. So when we think about the four values of our church... Worship, mission, fellowship and discipleship, they're on the banners here. Maybe we automatically think of worship, of singing and instruments and all of those different things. But the Bible shows us that there is a flip side to that. There's also another side to our worship, which is lament. This expression of mourning and grief and sorrow as we just present ourselves unmasked before the Lord. Perhaps that involves asking the why questions. Perhaps it involves just real open and honest prayer to the Lord God. Just look at some of the Psalms and you'll see. 
And so the Bible shows us that it is okay for us to lament, particularly for the last 18 months. In the life of our church, we've had church members that have passed away. Not from anything COVID related, but nonetheless, they've passed away. And so we we lament the loss of those people, don't we? We've seen in the news this week many, many things that we might choose to lament over. Uh, Failed leadership, hypocritical leadership. Whilst we're being asked to do all of this in the context of the church, the people that give the rules and regulations don't do the same. That's something to lament over. And of course, maybe two families that have been destroyed as well. We need to be sad about these things and bring them before the Lord. We need to be lamenting that we haven't done this for over 18 months, gathering together in person. That's got to make us want to uh, express some lament and, and into joy, of course, as we've seen already this morning. But quite simply, the Bible shows us that it is okay for us to lament and we should do it as part of our Christian worship and praise.